Hello, it's Julie Bindle. And today I'm speaking with Umut Ozkarimli, who is an academic, a senior research associate at the Barcelona Centre for International Affairs. And he's author of a brand new book published by Polity, Cancelled, The Way Back from Woke. And we talk about all kinds of things, including those issues that we disagree about. Hope you enjoy it. Congratulations on your book. How has it been received so far? Well, in general, it was well received. Uh, but, uh, you know, in 24 hours, I got the all the, uh, all the usual walk suspects uh, coming like piranhas for all the wrong reasons. The title, the Amazon blurb, and of course, the endorsers. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's it's nobody talks about Craig or John, uh, who is, you know, who is a Brazilian uh, gay activist. And he's an advisor to Lula and everything. So, I mean, you, you don't get more left credentials than that. But then people are worried about a certain Julie and write there a surname as B star Endel. <laughs> so that you don't find them if you search for them. <laughs> so what do you mean? Explain what you mean to me. I mean, it's 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 like really, you know, I mean, I've been working on this for four years, thinking about this. I've been through it myself and everything. And, and honestly, uh, I can tell you that even government trolls of Erdogan or, or, or people like that are much more, uh, at least not intelligent, but at least more kind of, uh, creative than these things. I mean, I, I was expecting all sorts of reactions in 24 hours and I got the full script. Everything that I said in the book has been proven correct in 24 hours. They just judge it by the use of the terms cancelled and woke in the title. And and yeah, it's just, you know, it's a dog whistle for the far right. And look at the endorses kind of thing. Uh, and it was, you know, at this point, it's boring. I mean, that, that you know, there's there's nothing, nothing, nothing. They called for a boycott of Polity for publishing my book, and Susan Neyman's uh, "The Left Is Not Woke." And Su- Susan, I don't know her in person, but I mean, I know that she's a philosopher with has been writing in dissent, works in Hannah Arendt Center, and all of that. Like all the right credentials. I mean, and you're not supposed to say anything that that slightly you know deviates from the norm i mean the book is not on transgender issues or the book is not on feminism as such but i mean even then uh i mean you could see that you know what's lurking behind if you follow the thread of tweets to which of course i'm not tagged so they are just calling for a boycott of polity etc so i can see when i go down that it's you know it's about see this, I mean, I would like to see what this person thinks about this issue. This is just a Trojan horse, the far right dog whistle, this and that. And it's it's so, so, so predictable and boring now. And did you have grief or kickback from having my endorsement on the cover? Is that what you mean? A little bit. But I mean, that's not something that we weren't expecting. Also, uh, uh, Kathleen uh, tweeting... Uh, about the book and saying that you know so it's it's and, and I mean not so much about Joe but I know that they're not happy with it either uh, 
and 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 that's what I find really ridiculous. You know, one of the things that we were discussing uh, during the publicity uh, planning stage, uh, I wanted to reach out to J.K. Rowling somehow, not not to to get an endorsement or anything. It's just that you know I do think that she should be aware of this book, and I would really love to hear her comments. But I was told with no uncertain in no uncertain terms that an endorsement from J.K. Rowling would kill the book in the U.S. What? I mean, when when Joe agreed to give me a cover quote for my latest book, I was floating on air for ages thinking, oh my God, I've got the most famous writer on the planet endorsing my book. A feminist and somebody who has set up so many important charities and organisations to alleviate suffering and oppression and poverty and the like. What a great endorsement. I was happier than I can even tell you. And you're saying that you were warned that if you had an endorsement from Joe Rowling, it would kill the book in the States. What the fuck? What? I mean, you know, this is the thing. And then, you know, and, and the whole book, I mean, you know, the book is not on cancel culture. I mean, the title, yes, it's catchy. Uh, and I agreed to it. Uh, and also because of my own personal experience of being canceled at some point. But the point is, you know, the book is on the state of the left and the right. And I do, unlike many other people, I do believe that these words still matter, you know, in general terms. Obviously, their meanings keep changing. We're talking, we're not talking about a homogenous grouping of people, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, you know, this is a book about these knee-jerk reactions, this, this, the whole stifling intolerance and all of that. I mean, all the things that you leave, I guess, much more than me on a daily basis. Uh, and and I mean, like, uh, and the point is, you know, this is this is the thing, you know, it was we had to go through, come through every single name, like who to ask for an endorsement and this and that. And when I heard, and you were the last to provide, and I was like, you know, oh, what would Julie think about the book? Will she endorse it? The only concern that we had, it was whether you would like the book or not. Simple as that, which is what should be, I think, the main reasoning about endorsing a book or not. See? Uh, and then when I did receive, and, and I still think that it's the best endorsement because of the first sentence, and that's something that I would like to uh, ask you, why did you think that the book was scary? I was, again, floating, you know, <laughs> in the air because I was so happy to have an endorsement by someone, you know, whose work and activism I, I've been following for years. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's, and, and do I agree with everything you say or write? And I've been reading quite a lot of your writings and, and, and other people, all the, all the usual, you know. No, no, not necessarily, but I know that I can talk to you. Well, quite. I mean, this is what we used to do in the old days, where we'd actually get great joy and inspiration from thrashing out differences and ideas with people who weren't of the same mind or same opinion on everything. I mean, tell me your story, if you would. What led you to deciding to write a book on cancel culture? Well, I mean, as I said, it's not on cancel culture uh, per se, though, even though, of course, you know, it's one of the things that I do, uh, I do mention as an example 
of the things that I'm talking about in the book. Basically, the book has one main argument, I, I would say, uh, and, and that's that what is pa what passes as left today, uh, the radical identity politics of, you know, a number of people, we, you know the names, we know the names, you know, uh, that's, I don't see it as left. So when, there, when, when I've been criticizing the first 24 hours, for right, you know, for oh, again, you know, this both sideism, this kind of, you know, sitting fences. There's, there's no fence sitting. There's no both sides. For me, even though they may be, you know, defending other, you know, completely different things, and past is progressive. We're talking about the same ideological intolerance, the us versus them, and this is if if we're going to use the term fascism, then this is fascism. There are no two sides. There is only one side. And then there are people who are trying, uh, despite disagreements, to do activism and to write something. Now, this is this is important in two senses. I mean, this is the, I mean, you know, I'm 53 years old and I've been raised by a Marxist father. Then I, I encountered feminist theory uh, in mid 90s when I was a graduate student uh, through people who would, I think, describe themselves as second-wave feminists, some, you know, people like Nina Yuval Davis, uh, Denis Candioti, you know, these are my teachers. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was about, it was about, yeah, justice, equality, and all of that, and it was about discussing differences. So right now, you know, um, and it's not that I am a newcomer or anything, you know, I'm, I, you, if, if you are an academic who works on nationalism, you would have come across my name because I've been publishing for 20 years now. Uh, my book has been, you know, used as a textbook in, in pretty much all courses on nationalism and all of that. But I've never written a trade book and I've written, you know, I didn't feel the need to do this. First, there was, of course, you know, some a personal tragedy which defined my life. You know, I lost my son in 2018. So I was quite, quite, quite inactive for five years. But then something weird happened. And, and uh, uh, okay, the origin story of the book, I'll just touch on it very quickly uh, because most of it is in the public domain right now. Uh, and it's important to note here before, uh, so that people don't get any misunderstanding uh, and, and, and the wrong ideas. Uh, this is a completed, fully finished uh, legal process right now. Uh, I mean, someone that I had a brief uh, fling with uh, filed a complaint of harassment, not sexual harassment, just harassment to Lund University where I was working in Sweden. Now, that was the time, this was the last six months of my son's uh, treatment. Uh, I mean, we were losing our hope. So I wasn't even based in Sweden. We were all over the place. We were in Los Angeles. We were in Barcelona trying to find the last kind of glimmer of hope. People saw through the, 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 the false, you know, the, like, yeah, the false nature of the allegations. And they started writing about it, accusing this person and uh, the cohort of actually hurting the women's movement and feminism in Turkey which is not, let's admit, in the best shape anyways. And they were accused of being TERFs. Now, at that point, neither me nor those feminists knew what TERF stood for. So it took a lot of research. So that was the beginning. There was a historian that I don't even know as a person. I didn't know. Now I do. 
she wrote a long Twitter thread, you know, exposing all the weaknesses in the story, and then you know, basically uh, telling, you know, she was she was called a turf, and I mean, then I said, okay, what's going on? You know, the people who are attacking me are not right wing. Yes, there is the state, but it's the people who claim to represent the LGBTQ community, feminism, etc. So there was something wrong there. Uh, and it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about Me Too, because, you know, I, I, I was writing, I was working on Me Too at that point with a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, Julie, um, a 75-year-old activist writer, you know, based in Catalonia. Um, and I knew that, you know, we should believe all women because, you know, there's an accusation, we should take it seriously. And I also knew that I had to uh, prove that uh, I was guilty until proven otherwise. So not talking about innocence, but I did prove my innocence, both legally and also on social media. Nothing changed. I lost two big projects and they were both about my son, a documentary and a memoir. And, uh, and what happened was uh, basically, I, you know, I was supposed to write my, the, his story, his struggle with cancer and the money was going to be donated to cancer research. I lost them. And I mean, you know, I'm not talking about what happened to my financially, reputation, this and that. I don't care about them that much, you know. But the point is, there was something wrong with this. And then I started to read The Gender Wars. And I started, I, I, I set up a fake Twitter account and I started to follow all of you. You, Joe, Victoria, Kathleen Stoke, everybody who are accused of being a TERFs, as well as uh, transgender rights activists. And I learned. And then I said, okay, this needs to be written. And what did you think at the time that you were being accused of all kinds of atrocities? I mean, you were also accused of terrorism. So, so you are... Um, presumably um, this is to do with the allegation that you're part of FETO, is that right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that uh, I mean, you know, uh, 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 Joe jo Rowling the, the other day uh, posted a kind of, you know, sarcastic tweet. She said, I'm from being a Hitler, now I'm going to being a Stalinist and all of that. Look, if you're a Turkish dissident, and I'm, I'm not saying this, it's, 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 I, I'm not really that important. You know, there are people who are suffering worse. There are, there are thousands of people in jail. I, I've started my activist career by being accused of being pro-Kurdish, pro pro-PKK, the Kurdish guerrilla organization. And then, you know, I went through, okay, uh, uh, anti-Turkish, anti-state, and this and that. And obviously now I ended up being this group uh, which are held responsible for the failed coup attempt in 2016. It's a religious group, and I'm an atheist. I mean, I've been accused of everything, but but that really is a stretch of imagination. There, there was someone who was accusing me, so all of a sudden it morphed into uh, a terrorist pervert, serial rapist. Not, there was nothing nothing about even the accusations. So was the book partly your response to these false allegations against you? And was it a way of explaining how 
these things can happen to anyone. Because that's very much what I took from reading the book, that it's about a warning, in a way, that those that you consider to be decent liberals on the left can actually end up in charge of a witch hunt. Yes, I mean, it, it, it's not my story. I mean, as you know, I mean, you've read the book. It's not about my personal story. It's actually, you know, as, as a friend put it, it's a learning process. This is what I learned from what I went through. Um, and I'm still learning, by the way. The process is far from being uh, over. Uh, and I mean, you know, this is the thing that I realized. I mean, the, 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 the way in which the so-called left today is so similar I mean, I used the analogy of Remus and Remulus, you know, the, 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 the rival siblings. Well, I mean, they, they, they act on paper as if they're different, but I see, I see no difference between people who condemned my book by its title in 24 hours or the likes of, say, Ogun Jones, Billy Bragg and the far right. I'm sorry. So that, there is no both sidism. There's one side, and that is oppressive, intolerant, divisive, you know, uh, knee-jerk reactions and all of that, totalizing, you know, everybody is this and that. Uh, I mean, when I saw that the gender-critical feminists were having a discussion among themselves about uh, how to organize your relationship with the right, to what extent, you know, you should be kind of uh, building allyship with these groups, I was so happy, you know, because you you showed people that you can have discussions within the group while at the same time still fighting for women's rights, for women's liberation. You see, I, I, I disagree with that. Mm. I don't think that feminism can be on the right. If it's women's rights activism, it's not feminism. If it's on the right it would be an oxymoron. I'm not suggesting that women who are fighting for the rights of women have, haven't got the right to do that. I'm not suggesting that they are in any way invalid or that they don't have points to make. They do, but it's not feminism. And, and that's why I'm very keen on the linguistics um, surrounding this issue, so although on the one hand I think that split hair differences are ridiculous, but then having said that, there is not just a split hair difference between those that call themselves women's rights activists, gender critical, whatever, but that think that you can sacrifice women's right to abortion or same-sex relationships, adoption, uh, the right to have children, the right to live without um, a fear of deportation. I don't think you can trade that off. Feminism, to me, is a different issue altogether and has to locate itself on the left because we're an anti-oppression movement. What would you say about that? Well, that's exactly my point, though. I mean, I think I, I didn't express myself clearly here because, yes, I mean, I was talking about uh, the discussions regarding the issues, but not about feminism or liberation of women. A good example would be, and correct me if I'm if I gathered wrongly, because I've been following the recent events as well. You did offer unconditional, con I mean, of support, or or you condemned the violence against Posse Parker. And I know 
that you don't agree with her way of doing activism, okay? Not using the word feminism, not using anything like that. Now, this is because uh, I know from your writings, from your book that, you know, that feminism is, you believe that you have a definition of feminism with which I really agree. And actually the, the kinds of black feminist thought that I use in the book have the same kind of, you know, feminism is about liberation of women. Uh, and as simple as that. Now, there are, yes, there are different stands, there are different issues and all of that, but that's exactly it. I was I was thinking about you because I knew that you were reading the book when I was doing my final revisions. And I can't quote myself and said, well, I think, you know, we're free to speak our minds here, right? Because I've, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I said, fuck, fuck, Julie will get this. You know, she will, she will, she will catch this. How could I not see this before? Because I was talking about individualism, but individual as the main kind of, you know, subject of justice. I was, I'm, I'm against, completely against individualism as an ideology, as liberal ideology and all of that. But then, you know, I, I also real, and, and I was talking about uh, individual rights and freedoms and group rights and freedoms. And there I noticed that I don't mention women uh, as a same sex class, as a sex class, basically. You know, sim the simple definition like adult human female and the oppression that women go through because of their membership in this group. So I just added a hyphen in the last minute. I, I recall this with my editors and all of that. We call this the Julie correction. <laughs> because, you know, I thought, oh, if, if she catches this, she will trash me. She will destroy me into pieces. Because, you know, I, I, and, and it was an important uh, omission, really. I should have mentioned that. Uh, uh, and now, you know, I, I believe that this fear led to something good. Uh, and that's what I'm talking, you know, I agree with you in the sense that this is what I'm saying about the left. I don't consider this progressive left, you know, the people that who, who are, it's not about the left. I mean, if you are on the left, the least you can do, I mean, there's a lot more like equality, uh, uh, being anti-discrimination, justice, social justice, et cetera, et cetera. But among I think, you know, at the bottom of all of this is to be open to, to criticism, you know? I agree. I mean, I remember a long time ago when I was a young lesbian feminist talking to somebody um, who told me that she had been a lesbian and that she was now married to a man. And I was really interested in how that had happened. And I said, why would you say that you decided to choose relationships with men and she said because lesbians are horrible they're really violent and I scrutinized that statement because we know from every single piece of credible research on the planet women are far less violent than men anyway lesbian relationships do have some abuse but way way less than heterosexual relationships where it's perpetrated primarily by men and she told me that that had been her experience. So she was individualising her relationships at the time in the working class in northeast of England, where I'm also from, with women who had been through hell and back in their lives, including rejection from their families, sexual and physical violence for being out lesbians. So there was a lot of damage 
within that community and she had had relationships with two women who were abusive. From that she decided lesbians are violent and abusive and men uh, were a better option. And this might be an offensive analogy to many, but I'm going to make it anyway. The idea that because the left has some absolute dickheads like Owen Jones and Billy Bragg and virtue signalers that hate women and that use the trans issue to punish us when really they just hate us for being feminist. The idea that therefore the right is more welcoming to women really reminds me of that woman telling me that lesbians are violent and she's better off with men. Honestly, I could not believe it. Talk about individualising an issue and not only that, ignoring reality. The right hates women officially. Some men on the left hate women and pretend they don't, so they use the trans issue to bash us. These men should be expelled from the left and we should occupy the left rather than reject it and move to the right. What would you say about that? That's exactly the point. I mean, you know, the, the quotation that we use uh, in the catalogs and blurbs and all of that, everybody likes to read the Amazon blurb, which is which is solely written to attract attention, you know. And I mean, you know, it's a publicity, uh, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, these are people who just, you know, who were born yesterday. What did you expect? Like me coming up with a with a title like Queering the Left Movement, etc., etc. Like I can do that. I mean, you know, I've been called a postmodernist uh, in my writings when it comes to, you know, nationalism and all of that. No, that's not the point. My point is that we need to claim the left from what passes as left, which is, i.e., walk left. I mean, there, there people are objecting to the use of the term woke. I didn't hijack it. The white Twitter hijacked the word from Black Lives Matter and, and all of that. And yes, these people are proudly calling themselves woke, alert to social injustices. Well, you're not. You're alert to individual harm, subjective or perceived offense and all of that. So that's the second argument of the book. I mean, it's not only the ideological or discursive similarities between the left and the right, but then you are in bed with neoliberal capitalism. It's commodification. You know, the, the best example of it, it was, you know, I saw it when I was writing the book. Gucci uh, um, uh, uh, advertised the new wallet series, I think in 2021 or 2022, with a very shiny ad, all these very expensive Gucci wallets and all of that. And in between, a, a couple of books, there was a series. One of them was Simone de Beauvoir. And the other one was Buddies, Buddy, Buddies in Trouble, Judith Butler. Now, mm -hmm. how does this? I mean, how, how can you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but the point is the, the way in which identities today are being kind of sold, marketed, uh, promoted and all of that, and it's it's it. There is nothing left about it. I mean, the position of Stonewall, no debate. The position of these all these academics who can judge a book by its title and refuse to read it. By the way, I mean, what is this? I mean, how is left? I mean, what is the left that is there? And you don't have to be a Marxist even to think about it. I mean, I was raised, as I said, by a Marxist father. 
who, who you know, he was, he was a writer, he was a literary critic and all of that. So I was exposed to this literature. But the point is, you know, this has nothing to do only with class analysis. I mean, it's the fundamental, you know, how can we not debate? I mean, when you say in the endorsement that uh, I disagree I, uh, with some parts of it, etc., political people and I, we never even thought about, you know, editing that sentence or going back to you and all of that. We were happy to hear that. I mean, who am I to, to come up with a definite answer? So yes, claim the left from the left, expose the ways in which the left colludes not only the right, but also neoliberalism as a moral logic, not only in, not maybe an economic system, but moral logic. When the Brown wrote about it, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, there is, um, neoliberalism is much more than an economic system, Yes, but why aren't we talking about the extent to which it affects the left as well? We're talking about the mainstreaming of the far right, right? You know, everybody's talking about how they are in the in the in 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 coalitions or affect social democratic parties like the Danish Social Democrats on questions of immigration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, but how does it affect the left? I mean, how can you justify book burning? Well, one thing that I think the left has got self-confused about is free speech and of course free speech absolutism so I am not a free speech absolutist I'm just I'm not and and I do think that that belongs on the right and I'll tell you why I think that because I support free expression free speech I support endorse celebrate debate but I can't help but see free speech absolutism as a way to make statements, promote ideas that help barely anyone but wealthy white men. And th th this is a problem I have. And every single free speech victory in the US has been, to date, on pornography, on supporting and defending the porn industry, which is harm to women and girls, to many men and boys, but ultimately to women and girls. So what do we do about this free speech issue? Because it would seem that when I was a feminist campaigner, talking, as I always did, always do, about men's violence towards women and seeking accountability for that, I had no support for my free speech. But when the issue of transgender ideology got to the ears of the likes of Mary Beard and Peter Tatchell and those that aren't feminist but see themselves as free speech champions and good liberals, they had the nerve to start defending my right to say things that they then condemned as transphobic. Mary Beard herself, and I can't remember having been more offended than this, actually said publicly, I find Julie Bindle's transphobia abhorrent, but I support her right to say it. Both of those are bullshit, because you shouldn't support abhorrence in speech that actually could translate to to harm 
I, I mean, I, I think that we should say things. I think that we should stop saying things like words of violence. I'm completely against that. But why should she personally support me saying something if she if she thought it was an abhorrence? And secondly, I do not want to be defended by free speech champions. I want to be defended because I am right. This is exact. I mean, you know what? Don't even let me get started about the right wing's free speech championship. I mean, they're hypocrites. We know that first of all, to to begin with, because you know we're not talking about. They're not talking about free speech when uh, people are cancelled for being pro-Palestine. Uh, they immediately are branded as as anti-Semitist, whereas they make it extremely clear. And a lot of these people are Jews, by the way, are Jewish. I mean, you know that that their problem is with they have a beef with the Israeli government, Netanyahu, and all of that. So it's it's that's one thing. Secondly, they don't see they don't think about the power disparities between the right and the left. Anyways, okay, you know, yes, the the left is noisy, but. We don't, we don't have power, you know, the, look at the governments, look at the economic, whatever, the financial system and all of that. So so it's just it's just a decent kind of, you know, decent looking, but actually very shallow excuse to have a go at. So this it's the only it's it's that's that's what that was the sentence I used in the book. You know, once it was the commies. Right now, it's the walkies, you know, I mean, the right needs an enemy and, right, you know, it's it's always the left. So they found something to do that. But the more importantly, your point, there are, there should be limits on free speech, obviously. I mean, hate speech. And not only that, offensive speech too. But the, the problem right now with the offensive speech is that who, um, who decides on what is offensive? Uh, uh, with what authority and all of that, okay? Now, if if it's only subjective, um, like I mean, you know, it's 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 the whole trans debate going goes around this this issue. I mean, you know, there are certain things that we would you and I both agree with, maybe whoever you know, even Owen Jones, maybe that certain certain expressions are transphobic, but saying that biological sex sex exists matters immutable it's not the same thing as gender how could this even be you know i'm I'm teaching in spain right now you know after several years i went back to teaching undergrads and i am i have 19 20 year old kids like the uh dictionary definition of generation z and when i tell them a little bit about the debates in the anglo-saxon world that now People are not called women, but, you know, menstruators, you know, people with cervixes and all of, they don't even believe in me. So in the following class, I have to bring them screenshots to show them the reality of the problem. And these are kids. These are Generation Z. Uh, You know, they're they're like my kids. You know, I'm actually older than, than their fathers. So it's not, and for and and people in in Britain or U.S. don't think about the repercussions or implications of these debates in the global South. I know you you're you're an exception because you've done work. You went these to these places. You interviewed sex workers. You interviewed you know a lot of people. Uh, I know that, for instance, Martin Nussbaum, who wrote I think one of the best articles on what academy does to feminism in 1996 the per, the professor of parody uh, excellent article it was uh, it's a masterpiece she wouldn't talk to me by the way she she wouldn't she wouldn't talk to me when i asked if i could 
interview her about Judith Butler? I don't know her personally, but I know that she's a difficult person in any case. But the point is, you know, I know that Martha Nussbaum spent months and years working with Indian women in, in villages and all of that. Now, you know, I mean, how many people in England know, for instance, that women, feminists, are being harassed, violently abused by uh, trans activists on the 8th of March every in the last three years? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very small group. We're talking about a thousand, two thousand people, activists, I'm not talking about transgender people because, you know, they will attack immediately. Oh, you're not transphobic. No, 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 no. Talking about a small group of activists who don't even have the terms in English, uh, sorry, in Turkish. So they're just adopting the words uh, and, and using them, you know, uh, or, or kind of, you know, putting them in a colloquial uh, Turkish and say, to women suck my dick, not even suck my girl dick. Oh yes, I mean this. This is the thing that people are emboldened, and the misogyny is off the scale. And I mean, and in Turkey, the the real problem. I mean, of course, I mean transgender people have real problems like violence, murders, uh, lack of refuges. You know, all of these things. And 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 I mean and and woman femicide, as I said, right now, I mean, the Turkey is competing with places like Mexico and all of that. But we're not talking about these things. Uh, I mean, we're not talking about Iran. We're not talking about Afghanistan. You know the usual things. Now, one one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is language when it comes to sexual exploitation of women and you use the term sex work and and I don't use that term I use prostitution I I don't ever call a woman a prostitute um it's something that's done to her in my view not what she is and I don't know any woman who's in or out of prostitution that would refer to herself as a sex worker although I know many sex workers rights activists as they term themselves who are in the kind of, let's say, sanitised end of the trade, BDSM, non-contact prostitution, and the like. Now, let's look semantically at the term sex work, because police, health, media, all of those um, institutions, those bodies, now tend to use it because the argument from sex workers' rights campaigners is it destigmatizes the women, those involved in prostitution. And what I say to that is that it does destigmatize the pimps and the, the Johns. But also, if, if it's sex work, if prostitution is work and the sex is the work, surely rape is merely theft. You know, I'm, I agree with you. I mean, you know, the reason why I try to be careful in terms of my analogies is that I'm writing from a position of disadvantage uh, in many ways and uh, uh, disadvantage, by, by disadvantage, I mean privilege. I'm a man. I had to be very careful in choosing my words. And this was something that, you know, most of our editing process was devoted to terms. What terminology should we use in certain things and all. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I, first of all, I mean, I cannot even, you know, my experience of feminism as an ally is, is really so vicarious that I can't, you know, 
so I'm just, you know, I can only say that I, I'm learning. Uh, and I mean, I'm very open to, to different perspectives on that. I'm also reading some of the activists who are in the sex work industry or prostitution industry, whichever you prefer. People like, I don't know, Ayala, people like Stoya, you know, these, uh, and I, I mean, you know, I, I know that they defend these terms uh, and I haven't made up my mind. And, and honestly, I don't think that I, I, I should uh, speak with any, 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 any kind of authority about these things without being uh, rightly accused of mansplaining. So you're the one who needs to talk to me. Uh, and, and I'm reading, you know, I'm, I'm not reading only. Now, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I've read your new books and I've been reading your articles, but I will go back to your past. The ones that you, you know, you interviewed sex workers and all of that. Because as I said, the next project is to write with a woman on sex and gender from a human rights perspective. Uh, and this, this is this, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of work to do. Well, you know, I'm very, very grateful for your work and I am so glad that we can disagree in a way that makes conversation not just possible, but in many ways more interesting. And I want to encourage people to read your book because it is part of a tradition, I think, of trying to go back to what liberalism located on the left actually is without being wishy-washy as I would say so it you, you have a position but it's not a fixed position that hits you over the head it's more there are more questions I think than answers in the book in some ways and that's what I really appreciate about it well I mean you know that's the thing and as I said like when it comes to only feminism, uh, for instance, I would consider myself uh, at the beginning of your friend Robert Jensen. See, I just entered the bar. He's been there before me. I don't know how old is he and all of that, but he's definitely way ahead of me. Bob, Bob is 67 now. Okay, so I'm 53. So see, you know, he's got the vantage point. So I'm learning. So that's why, you know, I have... You know, I'm not, you know, if people are going to attack me for, for this and other things, they can do whatever they want, but don't please attack me. I'm telling them about my, you know, whatever. You're asking me the questions, I reply to them. I'm not speaking, uh, you know, I don't even begin to claim that I'm a fan. I am an ally. And I also, I also saw, though, in the last four years, the damage that this type of activism is doing to women's cause to women in particular, but to women's cause. Uh, it, well, I, I saw what it does to fellow progressives, men or whatever, gender non-conforming, gay, lesbian, whatever, uh, who could actually, you know, convert and, and fight with them. See, I mean, and, and on the, on, uh, whereas as a person, I was attacked for my beliefs, for my, okay, for being a man and all of that, which was the least problematic, but as a father, now that's, you know, everybody has a red line and that's my red line, you know. Uh, among all these discussions, nobody thought in the last four years that this is a person who hold his son bleeding to death in his arms for a whole night. And you know why I think, I'll give you this personal example. I have uh, her permission to mention this, you know, 
this is the thing about being, a, I mean, I know I can never be, you know, as, as strong as a woman, as a mother and all of that. We had to, in the last minutes, we had to speed up the process, okay? You know how, what happens to, you know, in these cases. He was not, he was unconscious. He had more than 20 tumors in his body and it was, it was, it was good for him to go. Yes. And it, he had to be given regularly, routinely morphine so that his heart, you know, gives up. I couldn't do it, but his mother did. That's a kind of strength that only a mother, uh, I would say, I'm sorry for all the activists, whatever they want, they can say a biological mother can do. I didn't have, I didn't have the guts. She did because she didn't want him to suffer. Uh, not to mention what she experienced during birth while I was there and all of that. As I said, this is a friend, you know, we're not partners. I have a, a much loving partner for several years now. The thing is, you know, this is the strength. See, my partner, she, we, we, we hooked up. I mean, we knew each other, but, you know, we started when I was attacked because she wanted to stand by me. I mean, aren't these people also women? Yeah. And, and and so it's like you know it, it's the lack of it's the lack of any empathy it's the lack of compassion it's the cruelty it's the sadism and it's the sociopathy i would call it of that movement and the punishment i i want to i want to end on a positive note because this is a horrendous story and i'm so sorry that you went through that and I can't imagine the pain and the fact that you've actually continued to work in the way that you have is testimony to your commitment to wanting to live in a better world and to be part of that. And I just want to end on this note, which is a question about where you think you'll be in a year's time when the book, hopefully, I'm sure it will, will have done well and you have met people and engaged with them about the book, where will it take you? What's your next project? And what do you want to be inspired to do? Uh, to be a better ally. Uh, I've I, I seen, uh, I remember in the conclusion of your book, Feminism for Women, you talk, and in the beginning too, you talk about the need for utopias. Um, and I, 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 that reminded me of Oscar Wilde's uh, one, one, one of the things that he said, you know, a, a world map which doesn't include utopia is not even worth looking at. So I don't think we can change much. I don't think that, you know, you know, the far right is coming with all its force and, and the walk left right now, you know, we are accused of being enablers, but actually this walk left is providing so much ammunition to the far right that, you know, the next 10, 20 years will be much worse than this. But we're not, we're fighting. And I think the fact that the tide is turning, the, the victories, the legal victories of Maya Forstater, Alison Bailey, you know, uh, hopefully now Laura Favaro, you know, this junior academic who's been kicked out by City University, she's Spanish. So I met her and I, I read her research and I cannot believe the, the cruelty of doing this to an insecure, you know, precarious position uh, person. Now, I'm going to fight to win this, you know. I'm not going to let the ground to them. That this is not left. 
And whatever left is, I'll fight for it. And that's how I also, going back to the personal body in a, in a, in a kind of positive note, that's what kept me alive. You know, anger kept me alive. I could have gone, but I didn't because I was angry. So I, I decided to start to, to get to stick to this kind of anger level of grief and make good use of it. Thank you for listening. Until next time.